point where I can count it joy when I fall into various trials. I think, number one, we need to expect trials. You notice he didn't say, my brethren, count it all joy if you fall into various trials. He said, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. 1 Peter chapter 4, in verse 12, he says, Brethren, don't think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. Don't, don't think, why, this is weird. This shouldn't be happening. In fact, Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation, John 16:33. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So, I think sometimes we think the purpose of our Christian life is somehow to navigate through life without trials. I made it to the end of my life and... And I didn't have many trials. Wow! That isn't God's desire for us, just to give a a trial-free life. Someone said, a wise man prepares for what is inevitable. It is inevitable that we in this world will have trials. So we need to be asking What can I do to prepare? You prepare by building your walk with God now. You may be in the midst of severe trials right now, or you may not be. I mean, things may be going well for you, and and we rejoice with you if that is the case. But that is the time to prepare. Don't let someday come that you will wish you were on better terms with God. You know, often we get into the trials and we do a crash course on our relationship with God. We need to build that relationship. We need to expect there are going to come trials in my life that I am not able, just life I'm not able to handle alone, but there are going to come trials that for sure will flood my soul and I need to have a relationship with God that I know I am not walking through these alone. I need to have a relationship with God that I'm familiar with His face. That I know what it is to pray. That I'm comfortable, if you please, in His presence. That I know God. So expect trials. Secondly, ask for wisdom. Verse 5, he says, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. To ask for wisdom. God, I need to know how to respond to this trial. God, show me your purpose. What are you trying to accomplish in my life. God, show me the truths of your word that apply to me in this situation. God guarantees to answer prayer for wisdom. 
He, he loves it when we come to Him and ask for wisdom. Wisdom is seeing things from God's perspective. God, help me to see this trial from your perspective. God, give me wisdom to see, is there something I did to cause this? And then to correct it. If there's not, Lord, help me to see what you want me to accomplish in this. What you want to accomplish in my life. This is not, James 1.5 is not a guarantee that any prayer we ask, God will grant it to us. It specifically says, you, you are asking for wisdom to respond to this trial in a way that glorifies God. And when God sees us asking, God, give me wisdom, I want to glorify you in this trial, God loves, He delights to answer that. He delights to give wisdom. So it's to ask for wisdom. Number three, maybe... It could be put under number two, but number three is see the big picture. It's easy to get caught up in the midst of the details of our trial and we fail to see the big picture. What is the big picture? Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So, the moment you trusted Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, God had begun a good work in you. And he said, you can be confident that God began a good work in you. He will continue that work until we see Christ. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is a chapter that in the midst of trials in particular, we should, we should saturate in and meditate in this chapter. But I just wanna, I wanna highlight just a couple things from Romans chapter 8 in seeing the big picture. We often quote Romans 8 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Okay, let's just stop. We know that all things, here's the big picture, all things work together for good if we love God and are committed to His purpose. So we ask, well, what's God's purpose? The next verse tells us, Whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate. He predetermined that you would be conformed to the image of His Son. God knows everything. He knows every child every individual that calls upon Him for the forgiveness of sin, and everyone that calls upon Him, God has predetermined to begin a good work, Philippians 1, begin a good work in us to shape us and mold us to the image of His Son. 
What is God trying to do? He, he has predetermined that we should be conformed to the image of His Son. So the big picture here, okay, God, you are using this trial to make me more like your Son. I'm stepping back. I want to see the big picture. Lord, give me wisdom here. It's not just about the details of the trial that we have to deal with. But God, there is something much bigger. You are at work. And, and it may not feel like it. And, and you may be in the midst of a darkness during the trial. But Paul said, being confident of this very thing, that God, who began a good work in you, will continue that work until the day of Jesus Christ. What was that work? He gave the Holy Spirit to us, and the Holy Spirit dwells within us, and He's molding and shaping us to be more like Christ. It is so important that we understand and see the big picture as it relates to us. British journalist Malcolm Muggeridge, who became a Christian before his death, said late in life, Contrary to what might be expected, I look back on experiences that at the time seemed especially desolating and painful with particular satisfaction. Indeed, everything I have learned, everything that has truly enhanced and enlightened my existence has been through affliction, not through happiness." you understand what he's saying? He said, there are certain things that we can only learn through those trials. And seeing the big picture helps us to accept that and to understand the reality of it. So, in understanding, God, um, this trial has come into my life. We're often tempted to wrestle with this. And yet we need to say, God, I want you to give me wisdom. I want you to help me to see the big picture and, and to see how you are using this in my life to make me more like Christ. Number four, don't be a lone ranger. God never intended you to handle life alone. And we often say that we need us and God, but God never really intended us to be lone rangers with God. God desired for the body to minister one to another. We need others. And so, in the midst of trials, it means humbling ourselves and welcoming others into our life to be of help. This is, this is particularly hard for, for we as men, for example, because I, I need to do this on my own. It's particularly hard for people that have been involved in their life serving. I, I've always served others. Well, 
there may come a season in your life where now it's time for someone to serve you. To welcome. No, it's just going to be me and God. We'll touch on it a little bit later. There may be others that have been through a similar valley as you're going through that could mightily minister if you would open your heart and allow them to. And and God doesn't call us to, to just bear this burden alone. Bear ye one another's burdens, Galatians 6 says, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So welcome others. Number five, guard your thoughts. Every thoughtful person has wondered why God sends trials. It might be a critical illness, the death of a loved one, the loss of a job, the breakup of a marriage, trouble with children, a season of depression, financial difficulties. It may be, as some around the world, intense persecution. Sooner or later, some of those things will affect all of us. And in the midst of those, when trouble comes, we need to be very, very careful in guarding our thoughts. Because our thoughts lead to action. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8 give us a litmus test for our thoughts. Whatsoever things are true and honest and just and pure and lovely, if there's any virtue, if there's any praise, think on these things. In the midst of a trial, it's, it's easy for the thoughts to come in our mind, and that's the battleground, is in our mind. And we might start, rather than counting it joy, we count it, I must be a failure. Look what's happened to me. Or I'm a victim. It seems like nothing happens right in my life. Or the thought, it's, it's hopeless. It, it's hopeless. Or, God must not like me. I mean, there's others that things seem to be going well, but look what's happening to me. I, I must be unworthy. And we must be very, very diligent to guard our thoughts that they remain biblical, that they remain true about God. And in order to guard our thoughts, and, and this is a continual battle because our, our natural flesh and our natural mind is prone to go the wrong way. And so that means, number six, we need to be continually renewing our mind and our faith. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you, I beg you to present your bodies a living sacrifice Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. Our minds are like magnets for falsehoods and lies. 
We're just, we're just bent to think wrong. I don't know about you, but mine is anyway. And I need to keep bringing my mind back and renewing it through the truths of God's Word. Through That's why we want you to work on memorizing Scripture. That's why we say read the Scriptures, study the Scriptures, renewing our minds. I need to keep renewing it, keep renewing it. Why? My mind is prone to think, oh, nothing good will come out of this. And, and I'm prone to think things that are not true in God's eyes and that lead me downward and that lead me away from God. When trouble comes, we may turn to God in prayer or we may become bitter. Or we may turn to God in prayer and become bitter because He doesn't answer the way we thought He should. We may become quiet and thoughtful or we may begin to complain. We may learn a new trust in God. Or we may come to the point where we don't trust Him at all. We may take courage in God and His Word and truth. Or we may give in to fear. We may draw close to Him in the midst of the trials as we renew our mind. Or we may turn away from Him. It's the same event in all cases, but vastly different results because one kept renewing his mind, guarding his thoughts. No, that's not a biblical thought. That's not what God would have me do. I need God. I need fresh manna. I need fresh truth today. I need you. And the same trial that comes in one life may produce one thing and it may produce another in someone else's. It's not just that trials are joyous. It's trials can produce good fruit in our lives as we guard our mind, as we guard our thoughts and renew our mind. Number seven Hold on to heaven. Count it all joy when you fall into divers, various kinds of temptation. Knowing that God's at work in my life and this is going to produce endurance and steadfastness. And then he calls us, as you've already been studying, he calls the brother of low degree to rejoice in his exaltation, and he that is rich to realize that my riches aren't what's going to satisfy. It's my relationship with God. What's he calling us to? Understand the reality of heaven. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Verse 1, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy, it's talking about Jesus, who for the joy that was set before Him, what was the joy that was set before Him? It was, He finished the work. 
He completed the work of the Father. He did what the Father wanted him to. And, and he was reunited. He went back home to the Father, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He wasn't saying, yes, I get to go to the cross. He was looking forward to the end. And as we, you note the songs that we sing, how many of them are calling attention to heaven. You you note as you read the scriptures, how many times it's calling us, don't forget about heaven. Don't forget about heaven. And, And to understand the reality of this, that this suffering of this present time, Romans 8 again tells us, verse 18, the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory of the future. Notice he's talking about heaven. So he's saying, in this life, that's what we're going to have, trial. I mean, there will be trials, but the difference is, as a believer, I can look forward to the reality of heaven. Heaven. Revelation 21. We don't have the time to read it, but read verses 1 through 7. No more pain, no more death, no more sickness, no more tears. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus, as the songwriter said. Then quickly, number eight, allow God to use your trial for the benefit of others. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, he said, The comfort that you have received from God, in like manner also, take it and use it to comfort others. Others also. So here's a great here's a great trial that that you've gone through. God says I'm, I'm using it in your life to make you more like my son, but now I've given you a I've given you a tool an experience that I want you to use in other people's lives. Maybe you suffered financial loss. Maybe problems with a difficult child. Maybe whatever it is, as you responded right and received God's grace, now he leads people into your life similar, and you can say, let me just tell you, this is what God taught me through this. And God's grace was abundant. There were days I didn't think I would make it. There were days I thought I was going under for the last time. But God carried me through it and He will be faithful to you. We sometimes, we, we, have, um, we have trials that we go through that, that we want to forget and never think about them again because they were dark days. On the way in this morning, Marilyn said, I think my hall of shame is way bigger than my hall of fame. I said, in all of our lives, it's that way. But you know what? God's able to take the hall of shame and He's able to use it for His glory. 
Grace isn't just burying that. There is nothing wasted in your life. Every experience in your life, God is able to make it work together for good and to use it in others' lives. Be there for those who are going through the fiery trial that maybe you've already been through. And then lastly, rejoice. Trials are not forever. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Notice that, our light affliction. He calls it a light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. It will produce something far greater than we could ever imagine. Nothing you go through here on this earth will last forever. I thought that would get somebody to say amen. I mean, honestly, in the midst of that, the things that you're going through, it's not going to let. It may seem like it when you're in it, but it's not. And it is a light affliction, which in the grand scope of things is but for a moment. Rejoice what he's saying. These trials will not last forever. There is coming a day when everything will be made right. What a day that will be. So it comes down to this. Will I trust God or not? It's easy to say, I trust God. Anybody can say that. But the test of our faith is when it comes in a severe trial. And then afterwards, you know that your faith is genuine because you saw God work in the midst of the trial. Will I trust God in the promises of his word? Am I trusting God to rejoice in the blessed hope that I have in the midst of the trial? This is the radical attitude James commands us to adopt. And it all centers on understanding God is at work in me and he will continue that work until the end. And I know the end of the story, everything turns out great. And the trials of this life are not forever. It's not just naively and, and ignorantly saying, Oh, great, a trial came, great. It's understanding God's at work in the trial to glorify Him through my life. Heavenly Father, only You know the trials that are represented here today. Trials, perhaps in years gone by, perhaps trials immediately that we are in right now. And Lord, I pray that you would find in us hearts that embrace the truths of your word when 
maybe everything around us is shouting, no, that's not true. Lord, I pray that we would have an unwavering steadfastness in the truths of your word that would carry us through the trials to the day of redemption and rewards. And so, Lord, in and of ourselves, we don't have the power. We need you. And I pray for every believer here today that we would give ourselves to renewing our minds continually through your word, to meditating on the truth of your word and walking in truth. And Lord, I pray if there is one here today that has never known the beginning of your good work in their heart, they have never responded to your call of grace. Lord, I pray today that they would call unto you for forgiveness of sin through Jesus Christ. And that they with confidence then could say, I know God has begun a good work in me and he will continue it until the day of Jesus Christ. Lord, would you, by the power of your spirit, make these truths personal in every one of our lives. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.